Did you know studies show that the Christmas holiday season can be one of the hardest times of year for many people? It's one of the biggest times for depression. It's one of the biggest times for loneliness in people's lives. It's a time when bad memories begin to resurface, when we're reminded of a lost family member or a broken or lost relationship. Christmas can be, instead of the most wonderful time of the year, it can be the most difficult time for many people. So how do we deal with that? How do we keep Christmas? For, this is Jesus' birthday, amen? How do we keep the birthday of our Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, God coming to be with us, God loves us, God cares for us. How do we keep that from being a time that we, God forbid, dread, amen? How can we restore that? How can that be reborn in our lives, especially for many of us after so much pain and loss? Well, this year for Christmas, we're doing a series called Bah Humbug. How not to dread the holidays. And today I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about one of the things that we need to do if we're not going to dread the holiday season. And that is we need to deal with some of our past hurts. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 32 together. And so I want to invite you to go ahead and turn over to Genesis chapter 32. And tonight we're going to look at a story about two brothers who got into a fight. And one brother actually got so upset with the other brother that he was going to kill his brother. So the brother that he was after left town and stayed gone for about 20 years. If you want to read that story, you can start at Genesis chapter 27 and read through Genesis chapter 31 just before we're going to pick up tonight. But in chapter 32, that brother who had left town, he decides for for several reasons, he decides that he's coming back home. And now that brother, Jacob, is preparing to meet his brother, Esau, once again. And we're going to see some of the struggles that he goes through and that he faces. And as you can imagine, that was a pretty big deal in his life. In fact, many Bible students recognize everything that we're going to study tonight. One person said this is the high point in the life of Jacob. This is the turning point in his life. And we're going to see some of that tonight. But I believe God wants us to look at some of what he was going through so that we can deal with some of the challenges that we're facing as well. And the first thing I want to talk about in these verses that I believe the Lord brings out to us is we need to, if you've got got some hurts that you're dealing with, if you've got some relationship struggles that you're facing, the first thing we need to do is we need to turn to the Lord for help. We might even say we need to cry out to God to help us, amen? I want to look at verses 9 through 12 there. Now, if you turn over to Genesis chapter 32, actually, if you start in uh, verses 1 through 8, it kind of sets up where Jacob is heading back home. And I think it's kind of interesting. In verse 1, it says, Now, as Jacob went on his way, as he was heading back, the angels of God met with him. I think that's kind of interesting. What do angels do? Angels are God's messengers. And many times, angels do what to us? They minister to us. Isn't that kind of cool? In fact, several times in Jacob's life, you're going to see God sending his messengers, angels, to minister to him. So he's on his way back. You can imagine what's going through his mind, through his heart, how his stomach is churning. And then as he's heading back, he finds out from some messengers that his brother is coming to meet him. But he's got 400 of his boys with him. And Jacob thinks, oh no. Actually, he finds out later His brother Esau was bringing these 400 men not to fight with him, 
but actually to try to help him. But as you can imagine, Jacob gets scared. He gets worried. He starts bracing for the worst. So that's what we see in verses 9 through 12. Jacob cries out to God. In fact, I think it's kind of interesting. This is the first recorded prayer that we have from Jacob since he had this problem with his brother. Now let's pick up, pick up in Genesis 32, verse 9, and see what he says to the Lord. And don't forget, he finds out that his brother is coming to meet him. He's got 400 men with him. He starts getting worried. He starts getting some things prepared for that. And then he cries out to the Lord in verse 9. He says this, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your relatives and I will prosper you. Lord, I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, the Jordan River, and now here I, here I have become two companies, or actually some of you translate two groups of people. What he's saying is, I started with how much? Nothing. I just had a stick, okay? I started with this staff, and now, if you go back and read the story, God has tremendously blessed Jacob. Because now I have become two groups. And then in verse 11, he says, Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. Tonight, I want us to think about Jacob's prayer and look at some of the things as he, as he began to prepare his heart for that time that he was going to meet back with his brother who, who he, as far as he knew, wanted to kill him. Jacob cries out to the Lord, and this is what he was. First of all, in verse 10, he was humble, wasn't he? He said, Lord, I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. Jacob said, God, I'm small. God, I'm insignificant. I'm unworthy. God, you've done so much for me, and I don't what? I know it, Lord. I don't deserve what you've done for me. Then in verse 10, he was grateful. He said, God, listen, when I started out on this journey, when my brother was after me and I was on the run for my life, I had nothing except this staff when I crossed the Jordan River the first time. He said, now that I'm coming back, God, you have been so good to me over these last 20 years, and I'm so grateful for the blessing that you brought to my life. Now, listen, I want you to hear this, because if you and I were calling out to God, our focus would primarily be on what? Our focus would primarily be on the problem right but here in this passage jacob comes to the lord and says god i come to you humbly i come to you gratefully and god i'm completely dependent upon you in verse 11 he says deliver me i pray from the hand of my brother from the hand of esau now if you know anything about jacob that that's pretty that's pretty uh, stunning for him to be dependent on anybody else because jacob uh, for lack of a better word was a manipulator okay he was the kind of guy that no matter how the deal worked out, you knew Jacob was going to come out where? On top, okay? He was the kind of guy, he was always trying to work out things to his advantage. So for him to come to God and say, God, I know that I cannot get myself out of this situation. I cannot do anything to change this situation. Then in verse 11, he was honest. He said, God, I'm afraid. For I fear him, that he will come and attack me and the mother's with the children. Lord, I'm afraid that my brother's going to hurt me. I'm afraid that he's going to hurt my family. And then he says, Lord, he calls, he calls upon the Lord's promises. And by the way, I would start that if I were you. In verse 12, he says, for you said, 
Now, he's not being smart. He's saying, God, you promise that you have to, okay? I mean, we don't, we don't tell God he has to do anything, amen? But you know what? It's not a bad idea to claim God's promises, is it? Are you hearing me? When God has given you a promise, and you know his word says something is true, you can claim the promises of God, amen? He says, God, listen, listen, and I want you to just hear his heart, because I can just kind of hear myself saying this. God, listen now, I'm struggling. I'm, go, I'm about to have this encounter with somebody who, by the way, Jacob kind of had it coming. I mean, he did some things, you know. He wasn't exactly innocent on this deal. But his brother was trying to kill him. Okay, he says, God, I'm about to, I'm about to meet up with him again. It's not looking so good right now. It looks like he's kind of circling the wagons. He's ready to take me out. But God, I'm, I'm just, I'm hoping, I'm wondering, you told me several times, if you go back in this passage, in these passages, you will see where God told Jacob several times, at some point, you are going back to this land. I am going to bless you. My hand is upon your life. And Jacob's just saying, Lord, right now, I don't feel very blessed. Amen? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm in trouble. But God, you told me you were going to bless me. You assured me that you're working in my life. God, I'm thinking, even though this doesn't look good, I'm, I'm thinking this is not going to be the end of me, even though it feels like it. Lord, are you going to come through? Does that sound like you? Sounds like me sometimes. Lord, you said I can trust you, comma, can't I? Amen? <laughs> you ever said something like that to the Lord? When you're facing a hurt, this holiday season, I believe Jacob challenges us. God speaks to us through him. We need to cry out to God for help, don't we? Whether it's God helping you with some bad memories or whether it's God helping you with a situation just like Jacob's where you know you're going to have some face-to-face time with someone that you are very uncomfortable with and you're concerned about reconnecting with that person and being in the same room with them, you need to ask God to help you, amen? And I just want to ask you tonight, are you? Are you asking the Lord to help you with that? Are you staying close to the Lord every day, making sure that your heart is right? Isn't that an important part of it? God, making sure that my heart is right with you, that I'm staying close to you. And, and, and Lord, when I get together with that person, hey, have you ever thought about before that encounter to just stop and to bow and pray, spend some time with the Lord? You ever thought about that? Hey, I mean, I know we're getting all the stuff to getting the kids together, getting the food together, but maybe sometime that day, just spending some time, just you and God and talking together. And maybe wouldn't it, be a, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have some other people praying for you, wouldn't it? Asking God in every way possible to help you, whether it's this thing or whether it's something else. When are we going to acknowledge, I need the Lord and depend upon Him when we're in trouble? If you're going to deal with past hurts in your life, you've got to turn to the Lord for that help. But also, Jacob shows us something, verses 13 through 23. We do need to do some things, maybe. There's some things that we can do, and I want to talk about that. Do what you can do. Look at verse 13. After Jacob cries out to the Lord, he says, God, I need your help. God, I'm in trouble here. It says, so he spent the night there. What kind of night do you think that was? My brother's after me, and I'm going to see him. Probably tomorrow. So he spent the night there. Then he selected from what he had with him a present for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats. 
200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. I counted them up. There's 580 animals. Okay? So I got my math right there. He delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by itself. And, and what he did is he kind of broke them down into groups. He said, okay, I know Esau's out there, and I know I'm about to meet up with him, so I'm going to give him a gift. I'm going to send him a present, and I'm going to kind of do it in waves. <laughs> okay? He says, so he told his servants, he says, pass on before me and put a space between the droves, between the groups. He commanded the one in front, saying, when my brother Esau meets you and asks you, saying... To whom do you belong and where are you going? So Esau's coming along. He's trying to meet up with Jacob and he's going to say, hey, I met up with this big group of people. Who are you guys? Where are you from? And when that happens, you're going to say, verse 18, these belong to, look at what he says, your servant, Jacob. It's kind of of being humble here, isn't he? It says, it is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he's also behind. He's coming. Then he commanded also the second and the third group and all those who followed the groups of the droves, saying, After this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, Behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. Then afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on before him while he, he himself spent the night in the camp. And then it gives us some details about the story there. It says, Now he arose that same night and took his two wives and his two maids and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and he sent across whatever he had. Now actually, in these verses, some people would say, we see Jacob being Jacob. Okay? Because remember what I said? Jacob always had a plan. He always was trying to work things out for his situation. And so some people would say, you know what? Here goes Jacob being Jacob again. He's trying to work things out to his advantage. He had done this his whole life. Other people would say, you know what? He's just being really humble. He's just being really kind, really gracious. As he's going back, as he's anticipating this uh, struggle, this encounter with his brother, he's trying to do everything he can to have the right attitude. Now, I was leaning towards the humble and kind because I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt until I read verse 20. In verse 20, he says, Why was the reason, what was the reason they did this? I'll appease him with the present that goes before me. Then afterward, I'll see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. Now, here's what I think's happened. I think it's a combination of the two things. I think what's happening is it's a combination of Jacob still sort of trying to take control of things himself But I do think it's possible that that we can give him a little bit of credit. He might still be depending on himself too much. But still, it's a nice gesture that he's given. Okay? Now, what I would say is there needs to be a warning for us. God's going to show a little bit later when they meet up, he didn't need Jacob's efforts. Okay? So we need to be very careful that we don't take upon ourselves... I can't take the pressure if somebody's mad at me, amen? I can't take the pressure. I've got to fix this. I, you know, I need to do everything I can to make something right, but I can't take the pressure of I've got to fix this situation. So I think the point of this story is we need to trust in the Lord. 
And only he can truly change people's hearts. And we're going to see that here in just a minute. But realizing that, I don't think what Jacob did was totally wrong. There is something, when you have a struggle with somebody else, isn't it usually true there's something I can do? There's some effort I can make. I mean, and not to say that God's depending on our effort, but there's probably some responsibility that I bear to help make things right. Now, again, I don't think it's that uh, God really needed Jacob's efforts, but these, the, some of the things he were doing could have been ways for him to show humility, for him to show graciousness, for him to show to his brother, I'm not coming for a fight. I'm coming very humbly to you. Now, I wouldn't encourage you to send 580 cows and chickens. But the Bible does say we should do whatever we can to live at peace with other people. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if possible, you hear that question mark? It's not always possible for you to do anything, right? To help the situation. But the Bible says if possible, so far as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So there again, we're trusting the Lord. We should do everything we can, but ultimately we're trusting the Lord. Then it says in verse 20, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. So as we're facing the holidays, as we're thinking about that, you know, I'm kind of fearful, I'm kind of worried about this situation with this other person, ultimately we need to turn to the Lord, we need to trust in Him. But there are some things we can do, and I want to give you some things tonight to think about, okay? I want to give you some things that may or may not apply to your situation, but I hope will be helpful, especially for those of us who may be anticipating that face-to-face with somebody else. So write these down. First of all, if I were you, We've already mentioned it, but I want you to write this down. We need to be covered in prayer. Okay? When you are going into a situation where it's out of your control, it's a serious situation, it's potentially kind of volatile, or people are going to get hurt, that kind of thing. Now, in this situation, they were physically afraid. Okay? So hopefully that's not your situation. But emotionally, psychologically, okay, we could get hurt, right? My family could get hurt. I could get hurt in this situation. I'd make sure that I was covered in prayer. That means I'm spending time talking to God. And don't forget what I said a while ago. I would have some prayer partners with me. Hey, you know what? I'm kind of nervous. I'm getting together with my family. And I'm not sure how that's going to go. Would you please pray for me? Wouldn't that be a good idea? Second thing is this. Seek to be dead to self. This is very, very important in all of our relationships. Here's something I think of very often. You can't hurt a dead man's feelings. Did you hear me? You can't hurt a dead man's feelings. If Robbie is dead to self, nobody can hurt my feelings, right? If I'm dead to Robbie, but alive to Christ, then anything hurtful is going to go to who? It's going to Jesus, amen? So when I go into a situation, I've just found this over and over, and specifically we're talking about when you have a struggle with somebody else, but in all of our relationships, you are always in a better position for God to work if you get out of the way and you let God step up. Amen? Dead to self and alive to Christ. Thirdly, 
you might want to think, take, think about taking a friend with you. In a situation where you're going to be challenged, now I'm not saying, you know, okay, so Esau had 400, I'm bringing my 401, right? I'm bringing 405 with me. I'm not saying we're, you know, we're choosing up teams and we're going to fight. But when you're in a situation when you're going to be meeting with family, and maybe, maybe you've got a very unstable relationship with your family, wouldn't it be better for you not to feel alone while you're there? If you had somebody there that you kind of knew, understood where you're coming from and loved you and was supporting you. Fourthly, don't wear out your welcome. Now, I wouldn't be rude and leave noticeably early. But you know what? Sometimes it's good just to say, that was progress. You know what? One day, I'd like to be able to stay with my family for a whole hour. But 30 minutes, <laughs> you know, 30 minutes, we've been good so far. Let's don't push it. Amen. <laughs> it may, hopefully it can be a little bit longer than that. But, but be discerning. You know, I, w- know when the point, I mean, there's, isn't there kind of point in conversations when you're sort of, you can have some small talk, but learn when the limits of civility are kind of getting to their end and just be able to say, okay, let's just, let's just call it even for tonight. These last few are very important. I would say let people see who you are in Christ. Very important. Friends, listen, I think about this many times. For most of our family, and thank God we've got a good relationship with our family, but for most of our family, when we see them, it is probably the one or two time a year that we're going to see our family. You know what's so bad about that? I just got through driving 21 hours to get there. Now, I don't know about you, but after I drive about 20 hours, I'm not exactly cordial. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not bubbly or anything. And man, I think about that many times as we're driving to go see our family. I think to myself, of all days, this is the day I feel the most tired. I feel the most ill. You know, I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to take a nap. I want something to eat. I want to think about myself. But you know what? I'm about an hour away from seeing my family. It's the only time they're going to see me all year. I need to pray about that. Amen? I need to think about that. They used to know the old you. Why don't you let them see some of the new you? Amen? Let people see Christ in you. Now listen, I'm not talking about for their approval because that's what some of us are doing, right? We're wanting them to say, good job. You're doing well. Oh, you've really improved. I don't really need anybody else's approval. Whose do I need? I need God's approval. And in Christ, he says, you're good, Robbie. I love you. I'm proud of you. I don't need approval. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it for his glory. I'm doing it so they can see Christ changing me. And hopefully, if they see Christ changing me, they'll want Christ to work in their life too. Amen? So let people see Christ in you. Number six, this is a huge one. When you're getting together with family or friends, especially you don't see them very often, I would say do your best to seek to be a blessing. What do I mean by that? Again, I don't know about you, but I don't see my family very often. So when I see my family, those are some of the few words that I'm going to have with them face to face all year. You understand what I'm saying? Do you know what I want to do? And I'll give you a specific example. With the young men in our family, you know what I do? When I hug them, when I say goodbye to them, you know what I say to them? Every time I see them, I say, I love you and I'm proud of you. 
It's because those young guys, I see they're kind of unsure of themselves. They need, I've seen in my life, you need men around you. Just as a guy, you need men around you. And I've just kind of taken it upon myself. Uh, our, our nephews, I do it with the girls too, but I've just thought about those young men just because I'm our one. And I've just thought about, you know what? I want those guys to know there's a guy out there that notices you, that loves you, that supports you. And I seek to be a blessing when I'm with my family. You should do that as well. Now, again, it may be a situation where it's tough, where you don't have that great of a relationship, but you know what? You can be a blessing to other people, even in a difficult situation. So many people are getting torn down all year. I guarantee you, if you are a builder, God will bless you, and God will bless others. The last thing I would say is, don't be afraid to share about Jesus. You know what I found? If you are showing the difference that Christ is making in your life, people kind of want to be around you. And sometimes, maybe some of those family members that you thought you didn't have the best relationship with, maybe some people that have never talked to you before. Maybe it's a distant relative, a cousin or an aunt or uncle, somebody that you thought you didn't have the best relationship. Sometimes they see Christ working in your life, and they'll come over and sit down beside you, and they'll begin just asking you what's going on in your life. You know, it's a great opportunity for you just to very naturally say, you know, to be honest with you, I started going to church this year and it has changed my life. I mean, God's working in my life and and, and I'm getting involved in, in serving other people. And it is so rewarding. It is so you see, just very naturally just sharing about Jesus and what he's doing in your life. I want to challenge you again. Use wisdom. Be discerning. But I have found over the years that if you have a heart to share Christ with your friends and your family, over time, if you do that, if you're discerning, and if you're gracious about that, and you just do that in a very loving and very caring and just the overflow of God's work in your life, God will use that, listen, God will use that attitude, that heart in you, that presence of you and that family, God will use that, and, 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 and that may not directly change the situation, But God's work in and through your life and your presence in your family will help diffuse some of the conflict and struggle in your family. Isn't that encouraging tonight? If I love Jesus and if I seek to honor him at my family and friend get-togethers or my my co-workers get-together this year, if I seek with all my heart to do that, God is going to use me to maybe transform some of the struggles that our family faces. Isn't that encouraging tonight? Now, if you're here, is it encouraging? <laughs> okay. Now, for those specifically, I was kind of talking about people who would struggle with face-to-face, but, but I do want to mention maybe some who would struggle this year with losses, such as a divorce or maybe a death in your family. I'd say out of those things I just mentioned, I would say prayer is important. I would say that friend piece is very important. And I would say that piece that we're talking about of seeking to serve others. Now, we're going to talk about that more next week. So I'm not going to go into as great a detail. But when you begin seeking to let God use you in the life of others, God will bring blessing back to your life. Like I said, we'll talk about that more next week. But I want to look at verses 24 through 32 as we kind of close out these verses tonight. And this is kind of big here. As you're thinking about some of the hurts in your life, you know, we've, we've talked about some things in terms of you specifically dealing with the conflict between you and somebody else. Okay, we need to turn to the Lord. We need to do everything we can do with God's help, with God's wisdom. 
But I want to share with you something else. I want to challenge you to think about something. Is God, are you listening? Is God maybe up to something bigger in your life? Now, I always share with you, you know, I try to be careful when, when I'm talking to people about hurts in their life. And I don't want to give any nice and tidy, easy answers, but I do want to share this with you. Many times when I have personally faced a family get-together or a reunion with somebody that I'm really not comfortable with, you know what God, God began to speak to me about? It was really about a lot more than just me and that person. I find that many times when I'm struggling with a situation like that, God has something bigger that he's doing in whose life? In my life. You see, what do we do when we have a conflict with somebody else? Where do we put the focus? Right? It's their fault. It's their attitude. It's their actions. If they didn't act like that, if they didn't do that, and maybe some of that's true. But I just want to challenge you tonight to think about something. Is it possible, and I would say the more challenging the situation, the more I would consider this. Is it possible that this situation you're facing is part of something bigger that God is wanting to do in your life? It's bigger than that person. See, because sometimes we get bogged down in the details of lives and relationships, or we let one person or we let one situation kind of define us. Jacob's relationship with Esau was pretty important, wasn't it? That was an issue, but it was really indicative of a bigger work that God was doing in Jacob's life. And I want to challenge you to think about, is it possible that that's what God's wanting to say to you too? Let's look at verse 24. Now remember, Jacob calls out to the Lord. He begins to do what some things maybe to kind of help the situation to show his own humility and graciousness. But then in verse 24, remember it's in the night, right? He's spending the night. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he, this man, touched the socket of Jacob's thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with that man. Then the man said to him, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. It's about to turn daytime. But he, Jacob, said... I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he, the man, said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, or actually, Penuel is uh, the way it's translated sometimes. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over, and here it's pronounced Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, and it kind of gives a little commentary there at, the, at verse 32, therefore, to this day the sons of Israel do not eat that place, um, the, the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. Now, as I said earlier, many Bible teachers see this as a turning point in Jacob's life. God was trying to break Jacob. 
And that would be indicated for the rest of his life. What was he going to walk with? He was going to walk with a limb. But in the middle of that brokenness, God wanted to do what? He wanted to bless him. Before he even got to the encounter, can you just picture it? Has God ever gotten you by yourself and just dealt with you? Just like you needed to be dealt with? Before he ever got to that encounter with what he thought was a hostile brother, in verse 30, it says he realized this place is the place where I came in contact with the face of God. I think I just heard some thunder, amen? You understand? This is a big deal. He said, this is, this is the place where I saw the face, or, or I encountered the face of God. This is the place where I met with God. It can be translated, this is the place where I turned towards God. Is it saying that for Jacob's life, this was the place where he finally turned his life over to God? And by the way, don't miss what's said in verse 31. Somebody has called verse 31 one of the most beautiful passages in the book of Genesis. Did you hear it? It says, now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel. The sun rose upon Jacob as he crossed over the place where he turned towards God. The sun rose upon Jacob as he crossed over or or crossed by the face of God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Jacob is about to deal with one of the biggest struggles of his life. He calls out to the Lord. He tries to do some things to get ready for this. But ultimately, like me and you, he's just alone with God. And God, I'm scared. I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. This is building up a lot of work that God's been doing in his life. He wrestles with the Lord. He comes out of that with blessing, yet a reminder of who is in control of his life. And isn't it a beautiful, broken picture that when the sun comes up, the guy's limping across the place where he found God? Isn't that awesome? Does that say something to you? Does it sound like this was a life-changing experience for Jacob? And by the way, if you read the rest of the story, God not only was working in Jacob's heart, he was working in Esau's heart. And God just one more, just a few more verses down was going to restore that relationship. Now, I can't promise you that God is going to restore that relationship because in part, that person has to respond to God's work in their heart too, don't they? Okay, so we can't control that. I can't promise you that. I can tell you this, if you honor the Lord, it opens up the possibility of God being able to restore that relationship and make it better than it ever was before. That is possible. But I think more important than that is that Jacob calls us to realize the honesty of the struggle that he was facing, but how that all came together for something much bigger than Esau. Do you see that? Tonight, I wonder if God is saying something to your heart. I am writing a story. And it's a bigger story maybe than you've realized. You know what I'm so grateful for? The Bible seems to indicate very clearly if something hurts you tonight, 
God cares about that. Aren't you glad to know that? He would not in any way minimize that struggle between you and your mom, that struggle between you and your dad, that struggle between you and your uncle or your brother or whoever it might be. And there is hope tonight that God can help that situation. He cares for you. But bigger than that, maybe God's using that intense struggle in your life to get you to the place that he wants you to be. I'm praying he's going to change Esau's heart. Amen? Because I sure would like to be restored with him. But even if he doesn't, I want to hear what God has to say to me. Amen? And friend, I would just say this to you. You can use some of these principles tonight. If, if, if maybe it's not as big a deal, maybe it's a lighter situation, but you just need some wisdom on how to deal with the situation. But I would say to you, if yours is a bigger situation, if yours is kind of a life situation like Jacob's was, I would take these principles even more seriously to say, it is very possible that God is building you to a point that he has a life-changing moment for you. And is it possible... That this year at Christmas, that that family situation may or may not change, but God might want to change you. Would you receive that tonight? And as I said, in the middle of that, I realize I don't even have a clue what your situation is. And that's not to say it's all on you. Amen. Do you understand that? The Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You don't have to worry about that other person. They're going to get what they deserve. The more you walk with the Lord, the more you kind of lean towards, I hope they don't get what they deserve. You understand? But somehow God fixes all that. You understand? Somehow God, he's going to fix all that. I can trust him, amen? But God, tonight, would you help me? Just next week, at 7 o'clock on Thursday, would you help me get through that, Lord? And Lord, is it possible that you're building me up to something bigger that you're wanting to say to my heart? You know what? Sometimes we really struggle with God like Jacob, don't we? We wrestle with him all night. This guy was hard-headed. I kind of respect him, Amen. I mean, how many people are going to do that? And do you see the interchange between him and God? You can't beat God. But God so much had a heart for Jacob. I want to challenge you tonight. Would you just grab hold of the Lord? Say, Lord, I don't have anywhere else to go. I want to meet with you here tonight. And I want you, you know what? Maybe even to give me a new name. He changed Jacob's identity, didn't he? He gave him a new name. Wouldn't it be awesome this Christmas if God gave you a fresh starting point? Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but there is something that has defined your life. You know what? We all have some big gashes in our hearts, don't we? And Jesus came for that. And he's wanted to heal that. Would you give that to him this year? Would you trust him with that? And if you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe this will be the year you'd say, God, I am tired of carrying it myself. I cannot do this. God, I admit it. I'm through fighting. I need you. Will you bless me?
and just call upon him and say, God, please forgive me. Come into my life. Help me with this and so much more. Please wash my sins away. You know, I don't believe the Lord wants us to dread Christmas. I believe he wants us to get the most out of it. And I'm not saying it's all going to be nice and tidy. But would you trust him right where you're at tonight?